Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and joining me today, you might know him from Dennis DeYoung's band, but today he's a solo artist and we're going to talk about his first solo album, August Zadra. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. I actually kind of feel hopeful in a strange way because the last show I saw prior to the pandemic was Dennis DeYoung at El Cajon. No uh, yep, that was the last show. I don't know if that was Dennis's last show, but I, I think it was. That so, was our last show. I'm glad you were there because I I really feel like I've said this. I'm sorry to jump right into this with you, but all good. All good. They always say, you know, play every show like it's your last. And you never have. not we didn't know, of course, it would be our last show for two years or more. And I thought that was one of our better shows. We had been in Vegas the night before. My buddy Jimmy Leahy, the other guitar player in the band, yep. he and I did it too late with bad decisions. And uh, it was, <laughs> we uh, lived to fight again. And I thought we had a great show and it was a lot of fun. It really but was. Better. Yeah, that was a special show for me too because uh, my dad's a huge Styx fan. And the only time he saw Dennis with Styx was in 1981 on the Paradise Theater Tour. Every time after that, it's been with Lawrence. So I actually flew my dad out to California wow. for the show. And it was the first time he'd see Dennis in uh, the Paradise Theater Tour. And he loved it. He had a blast. So yeah, that was a You're special a night. Son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a good time. But uh, yeah, uh, we got something fun to talk about today. Uh, new solo, your first solo Woo! album, Guiding yes. Star. Uh, congrats, man. I mean, was this something you've been thinking about doing for a while? I know you've been in Dennis's band for years and you did Waiting for Monday um in 2020 so uh, is this something that's been kind of like percolating in your brain for a minute absolutely and uh, we had a record release or record launch party last night so my voice is a little rough today but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh, some of the things on we can we can talk through every song and kind of the, whatever you have you want to do things today is it's cool with me but um some of the songs have been around for a long time some of them were new and uh, i had the opportunity about four years ago, uh, Jeff Scott Soto is a dear friend of mine, and he's been with Frontiers, and he's, you'd probably know his storied career. Yep. But he uh, started doing some work in kind of a, a uh, talent, uh, an A&R kind of role for, uh, for Frontiers. And so he was scouting, and he came to me at the time and said, hey, I have, a, I have an opportunity to help get you in with this. And you know, Dennis is with Frontiers, so we already had something of a relationship there. And they presented me with the option to do a solo album and not many guys would do this I think but I turned it down <laughs> I I wasn't I didn't feel confident enough at the time and it might sound funny but part of the whole part of my thing and it, it, I don't want it to sound like false modesty but it's I still wasn't really thinking of myself as a singer I and I've always felt wow. like a guitar player who sings and the the first conversation I ever had with Dennis DeYoung when, when we met and uh, the first time in person at his house and we uh, talked for a while and he said, you know what your problem is? He said, you've always thought of yourself as a guitar player who sings. He said, if you would have thought of yourself as a singer who played guitar, you might have been. And he's like searching for the word. He goes, ah, you'd still be nowhere. That's the way the universe works. <laughs> but, but the point was, was made. And I, it, it took me a while to, you know, I, I, I remember talking and we did a lot of shows with Night Ranger over the years. And uh, I was talking to Brad Gillis about it one time and he, and he just looked at me funny, like you, you're with Dennis DeYoung and you're singing all the Tommy Shaw songs. You are a singer. And it's little things like that. It finally bolstered my confidence enough that um, 
when the opportunity came again, I said, let's, let's do this. Let's run with the ball, man. Let's have fun. And they connected me with uh, Alessandro Del Vecchio, who, whose name you may be familiar mm -hmm. with. He is, it, it's been fun for me to go out of my way to help try to spread the word. He is the singular most talented person I've ever encountered in my life. And he's an amazing human being on top of it. He, he's incredible. You know, he, he helped with the songwriting. He helped with a lot of the arrangements. He helped, he played bass on every song. He played keyboards on every song, except the one that Dennis did a solo on. Yep. Um, he sang backing vocals and uh, mixed, mastered the, the album. He's just incredible. He's a one-man wrecking crew. Yeah, he really is. That's crazy. I, it's, it's, it's insane for me to hear you say that, you, you know, you weren't sure about singing because, man, I've seen you live three times and every time you just slayed. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you I'm glad you took the chance this time because the record came out great, in my opinion. I think you and Alessandro worked well together, but I assume that was um, it was a virtual recording of the album because I know he's in Italy Correct. And, and you're L.A. based. So what was that experience like? Did you find writing with someone like that, you know, difficult because you you know, you're not in the same room, so you can't necessarily read the person as well as you might, you know, if you were in the same room as them. That's a, that's a great question. And I will, you know, we started this before the actual interview began. I told you I haven't Zoomed much. And he and I had one Zoom call. And someone asked me last night at the party, you know, when, when did this process start? And I need to go back and document some of that for my own knowledge. But um, we had a, a call and we had a Zoom call for maybe 45 minutes. It's the only time I've actually seen him face to face. <laughs> and um, we talked about, he helped me with gear choices because I, I recorded all my guitar parts and 90% of my vocals were done at home. And I'm a complete novice with, I've done plenty of recording, but it's always with an engineer there doing all the heavy lifting. I just play or sing. So I had to figure out a lot of stuff. And I told Dennis that might be the singular most thing I'm, that's twice I've used the word singular already. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the thing I'm maybe proudest of is that the album turned out so well with me being just a bonehead novice with a lot of the process. <laughs> but then again, that's, that's a testament to Alessandro's skills. But um, here's kind of a, a bit of a, the backstory is um, I would never, I'm, I'm not a strong songwriter in the sense that I can take something from start to finish and give you a complete thing that I, I did every bit of it myself. Like a lot of guitar players, I'm a riff guy or I, Hey, I've got these two chords that work great together and I don't know where to take them next. And so what happened was I had a collection of things. A lot of them were just uh, voice memo things I'd play on my phone, you know, when the inspiration strikes and I sent Alessandro just a ginormous batch of snippets, some complete songs, some here's two chords, like I said, and just a lot of, here's a bridge. It needs to go with something, lots of parts. And he uh, helped me piece a lot of things together. And he's great at that. He also has, I'm gonna make this interview more about him than me, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> he's got a, a great knack for, he's just a prolific writer. So he, he, he's great at bringing the best out of people. He's a producer too. He, he tends to understand what's best for you as an artist. So that was great. But uh, we didn't actually have any, we'd email things back and forth a lot, but it's, we didn't really talk about things. There was a, a few things towards the end in the mixing stages where I won't say we argued, but I'd say, well, well I want it to be like this. And, and he was like, I'm gonna executive decision this and say that it should go like this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm, 
just happy to have something coming out and and seriously uh you know all kidding aside i i'm thrilled with the way it turned out and i think it, it it's the best sounding thing i've ever done and it's just i finally have something with my name on it and it's exciting it really is yeah um yeah i, I could tell and it's interesting like that you did isn't kind of interacted more through email because it feels like you two are very kind of, I, don't know, I could imagine you two in the studio working on this record together. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel that homespun. It feels very, you know, like there were, someone went into a studio and there was a lot of work put into this, but so it sounds fantastic. Like that definitely. Came through. I think it is very cohesive. And if we're, he and I are kindred spirits and we've, we always talk about, man, if we were, if we just were closer together and here's a quick, funny story. He actually moved to Florida. I don't think we was there for less than a year. Oh. And he was going to, at one point I was on a corporate gig with Dennis and we were staying at some really nice resort and there was tons of, I won't know the age range, probably eight year old girls in cheerleading outfits, like a cheerleading camp at the same <laughs> place. And the next day um, he also had emailed me something and, and uh, I said, Oh, I'm, I'm just leaving this resort in Florida. And um, when I, when I land, I'll get back to you, blah, blah. And, he said, oh, where were you? I was, I'm in Florida. He was staying at the same hotel. We'd never <laughs> met. And it was feasible. We could have actually ridden in an elevator together and not known it. It was so funny. I'm like, I can't believe we were that close. And, but, um, wow. I, I would love to be in the same room and make music with him at some point. I, I certainly hope that happens. talked about last time jeff scott soto kind of being an anr for uh frontiers now uh-huh. and uh, he's also like he's your vocal foil on the album and, he, and it worked your voices work really well together you guys have a nice blend Thank um you. so was that an idea like from the start like i know you kind of said you were a little nervous about you know kind of striking out on your own and doing a solo thing was that kind of just for your own comfort or was that like something you wanted to do from the beginning to have that kind of like vocal foil it's a great question and just to clarify it and just just to be certain that he's uh you know jeff was and is doing somewhat of an anr capacity but he's still very much a performer and an artist on his own right um but um in the beginning there was i know there was not an intention of having him sing on every track you know specifically but i did want an emphasis on vocal harmonies and alessandra is a tremendous vocalist as well uh, when jeff offered 
I, I originally, if his schedule had allowed, which it didn't, because he's one of the busiest men alive, um, I wanted to record everything in his studio where he could work with me as a vocal a vocal producer, which I'd never really understood before until uh, the lack of one on this record. Where I did have someone <laughs> to tell me, hey, you know, you're a little flat there, or, or why don't you hold that note out longer, or try more of a scream here, or a little, little more grit, a little less grit. But he did offer to, he goes, well, I can help with any of the vocals you want, you know, and so I would just send him every track as I got done. And he's like, oh, I did this. I love this. I threw this extra thing in here. And, and it was really, really a huge help. And he and I are, are very good friends. And uh, we sing together a lot, whether it's uh, on an album or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we always end up singing at his house when there's a few Moscow mules involved. Nice. That's very cool. Yeah, I, I, lo I love the blend and we're going to get onto that on a lot of these tracks. I think there's literally only one song on the album he doesn't sing backing vocals. That's on, correct. Is... And that was not a specific uh, choice of leaving him out of that one. It was just he ran out of time. Ah, yeah. OK, nice. Uh, let's uh, let's get into the track by track, uh, okay. kicking things off with uh, Come Together, which is this little intro interlude to kind of kick off the album welcome to the show you know it feels like it feels like the opening of a concert it feels very much like that's what the song was built for and i love the line you know let music heal what isolation has destroyed which is something you know i think we need after these last couple of years yeah and you nailed it it was actually it was specifically written to be an intro for dennis de young and um he was looking for something different to open the shows with and so I, you know, like, oh, I got to come up with something. And I knew it had to be short. I wanted something about a minute and a half, roughly. All, you know, major key, big vocal harmonies, triumphant sounding. And um, turned out, you know, I demoed it and he didn't, didn't, didn't strike him. He only listened to it for a few seconds, just got him at the wrong time or something. He's like, eh. But I was like, I'm keeping this one. I think it could be special. And, yeah. and I have a recording of me and Jeff and another buddy of mine in my kitchen doing the whole, ah, the three-part harmony thing. And I write that one because I'd done it when I demoed it, I did it with guitars. And when I heard it with vocals as I intended it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be cool. Nice. So did it, have, did it originally have like more of a bigger like guitar presence than instead of that like vocal, like, you know, choir that's going on? Yes. They're, the original has uh, and they're still in there, but they're they're buried. We had to make a, a choice. And Alessandro felt it was better to, you know, as a guitar player, so that I still identify mostly as a guitar player. Like I've got this cool three-part guitar harmony going underneath everything. And it's like a Brian May kind of vibe. And um, you can barely, I mean, if you really, really, really dig in, you can hear a bit of it, but it's buried underneath that vocal. I mean, he thought, he felt that the vocal was more, should be more important, more prominent in the mix. And in hindsight, I agree, although I do miss it sometimes. I think it came out great because it's got that yeah. bright shininess that uh, I think Classic Sticks had. Like it, it kind of like, it, it's another connection to, you know, Dennis DeYoung, you know, playing with him all the time. So I thought that yeah. was kind of cool. I agree. Uh, Thank you. Yep. Uh, nothing more to say. This is this was the first song we got to hear, and I thought it was an interesting choice to put out first. It's a little more. Uh, uh, I'm trying to find the right word. Maybe moody, or it's like it's kind of more like the Euro AOR stuff. It's very oh, like yeah. big, big and dramatic.
like you know like there's there's other songs in here that are kind of more like punchy and straightforward but this one just kind of is like big and dramatic and grand and cinematic so talk about nothing more to say a bit sure i i can't uh yeah, I haven't mentioned him yet in today's portion of the interview. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not. Let's do this. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I can't overstate the importance of Alessandro's contributions to this record and his role as both producer, as a songwriting partner, and you know, he, he's an exceptional multi-instrumentalist. And he mixed and mastered the album, too. He's, he's a genius. But um, this one is uh, owes more to him than to me. And where you just mentioned that I was more of the... Uh, Okay, so Alessandro um, brings more of that. He brought more of the moody structure of that, uh, the, the keyboards. It's essentially a, that whole thing is established with that keyboard bed. I'm more of the, I, I was more of the, uh, let's just say like the, uh, won't let your love take me down, like, like straight ahead rocking things. But we had a really good combination going there. But I like the um, the mood of that piece. You mentioned being moody, I, I like that description. And I had like the, the single note guitars, da -da -dun 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 -dun, and then space where I was going, da -da -dun 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 -dun, bomb, yeah. dun -dun -dun, and yeah. it doesn't need the bomb. So now I said, no, let's leave it out. It's the more space makes it bigger by having the less is more. And um, it was uh, something that I was hesitant about putting out as the first single because, uh, you know, Frontiers, it's their choice. They, they said, this is what we're going to do. Are you okay with that? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and uh, in retro, you know, I thought, well, Serafino knows what he's doing. I wouldn't have chosen a, an almost six minute mid-tempo piece. Um, I would have gone with one of the more straightforward rock songs. But I think their goal was to um, put me out there more as a vocalist first than, rather than a guitarist. And, and this song is a big vocal song. And I'm rarely happy with the way things turn out vocally, it seems. But uh, I, li I like this one. And um, it's got the shortest solo on the record. So I was I'm like, well, come on, let's give him something I really play on. But um, I'm happy the solo was a little bit too of, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm spinning. We're, we're going to need the flower. Uh, the beginning <laughs> and the end of the film have like a little atmospheric piece in the keys and this little clean bluesy guitar comes in. And then it kind of restates that at the end and, and rides out that way. When I first demoed this for Alessandro, it's like the song starts, boom, and they're soloing. And when he, he came back with the first mix and I'm like, Where's the guitar? And he said, you need to let this let it breathe for a minute first. And, and it's perfect because it has the, the keyboard bed and the uh, you know the, the sequence track with it. And then the guitar comes in and then it has more effect that way. So it's again back to like I mentioned you know, wishing I'd had a vocal producer. Alessandro was there to kind of oversee all the the, the uh, music end of things. And at the end, it was me trying to be David Gilmore light. <laughs> It's very cool. Like it ended up being, you know, like I like surprises in an album. I like it when, you know, like I thought I kind of like, okay, this is going to be like, you know, a melodic rock, you know, straight up record all the way through and to have a surprise like that right away, you know, a track two. I thought that was kind of cool. So yeah, yeah. That, that track came out great. Uh, next one's a little more straightforward. Ship of Fools. This is, this is like in my like, you know, top songs on the album list. I really like cool. Ship of Fools. Talk about that one.
it's the in my mind the most straightforward rocker on, on the album it uh kind of has in my head and sometimes you shouldn't give this information i let people think what they want you know if it's like it to me it was kind of a michael shanker vibe i like a lot of the mm. ufo and shanker solo nice. stuff and just kind of you know just really driving rock um, it, but it's no surprises really in that one other than um if you listen closely my wife says she can't hear this but underneath the choruses is probably my favorite little bit in the studio you can always sprinkle in like a little little uh ear candy stuff yeah and underneath those big driving guitars there's a really clean guitar that's playing a part that's very similar to what uh mick jones did under uh, double vision it's this little clean oh. and once you oh. notice them they're like oh there it is oh i know what to look for now because i know what you yeah, mean that little part okay nice. really really low in the mix but and they're real sparkly but it just adds that little bit of texture again because otherwise it's just straight ahead rock guitars Nice. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice and shimmery then. Cool. Very cool. Uh, the next song I think is really interesting uh, just because I think there's more your candy going on in this one. And that's come back to me. You've got, you got another, it's kind of another mid tempo one, but it's also got some like tempo changes and like odd time signatures. Like it's a little, it's a little proggy. Uh, it, come back it to is. me is. It's my favorite track that, uh, you know, Jelly Cardarelli is a great drummer. And there's some people who said, oh, I think he really overplayed on this one. I'm like, no, I think he nailed it. It's, it's a busy drum song. And uh, the, the, the interplay of the rhythm section on this is really, it's almost, it's a little, almost jazzy proggy, you know? And, yeah. and it has, um, when it gets to the solo, I think that's, that was what I intended to be a surprise. It's, it's moving ahead. Also just stops on a dime and you hear this. I was going yeah. for a, it's like a, it's like a wood, inst like a, I wanted to go for like a clarinet kind of thing. Like Alan Holdsworth would have these lines and mm. I would never compare myself to him, but that's kind of what I was going for a real woody sound. And just to make the thing stop right there and, and take a twist. And it has that little interlude. And then like the standard rock guitar comes in there and just kind of reestablishes re the, the vibe. Nice. Yeah, that's kind of your like. Uh, it makes me think of Dream Theater. That that song does. It's it's such a little interesting little ear nugget nugget when you hit that one because yeah. it's another nice surprise along the way. Uh, the next track 
to me, this is, in my opinion, the most straightforward song on the album. This is like, right. like, th- like throwing on classic rock radio and, you know, lover boy or triumph or someone comes on that's uh, that, yeah. es- escape the rain. Like this is like another one of my favorites on the record. It's just such a catchy song. Uh, it's a feel good song. Talk about this one. And this one, someone else had just recently mentioned that they could see Nelson doing this song. I'm like, it's just got that real, you know, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's poppy, but it's that kind of, you know, like you may, lover boy triumph kind of feel where it's just, it's rock without trying to be hard rock or metal and it's not pop, but it's got a lot of that pop sensibility. It's, uh, it's again, a matter of me wanting to establish a positive vibe and just the music to be uplifting and I, it's interesting on this one in that uh, the, I'm trying to say this, the, the vocal phrasing, it was interesting that in the beginning to just have it so sparse, it's just one guitar, do, 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 the, the kind of a dock and what's the, the song I'm thinking of? Just got lucky vibe. Oh, it. nice. You know, and just one voice. And then the, the harmonies come in and the chorus lifts it up. And I'll also say that I've got uh, a little email chain with two guitar player buddies of mine that, we're always just shooting stuff around and, and we had gotten into this conversation about George Lynch and Warren D. Martini. Mm. And then I think a little bit of that crept into my playing on the solo. Where I was like, I think I had them, both of those guys on the brain. And, uh, and this song also employs one of the oldest tricks in the book where the last line of the guitar solo changes keys and then we modulate for the chorus at the end. Yep. Goes up. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. Yeah, love that song. And that's, you know, it kind of, like I said, it reminds me of like, you know, this is a little sidebar. That's my favorite era, kind of like one of my favorite years in rock and roll is that kind of like late 70s, early 80s. Like people call it corporate rock ex- explosion, but you know, I just, it's just good melodic rock. Kansas, Boston, Triumph, you and Survivor. I spirits, man. You're yeah. speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, exactly. I was, gl- I was glad, glad when that song popped up. I, I, I need more stuff like that in my life. So uh, thanks, man. Now, matter of yesterday, you got Jimmy Leahy playing on this one, playing some very Steve Howe-esque acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. and it's another moody piece. Talk about this one.
and wild We could lose our innocence Not care about tomorrow My brother Jimmy is one of the, I mean, he's a great guitar player. And I always tell people, if you've only seen him play with, in, with Dennis DeYoung, you have no idea what he's capable of. I mean, his dad was a Grammy-winning jazz guitarist. Oh, wow. And, and the apple did not fall far from the tree. Jimmy, you know, he, he, uh, he teaches full-time. He has like 40 students. He's in a lot of different local bands. He does session work. And I, I had to have him on the record. Yeah. And on this one, I knew that he's one of the, just the greatest acoustic guitar players I've ever seen. And he's one of those guys that never got the memo that's it's supposed to be harder than electric guitar. <laughs> At least it is for me. <laughs> and, and I knew that he would bring something special to this. And he sat with it for a couple of days and he got back to me and said, you know, I, I hope you don't mind it. it it'll be difficult to, to pull this off live because I came up with a special tuning just for this song to make <laughs> the voicing work better with the keyboards. I'm like, that's why I love you, man. <laughs> but um, it also gave it kind of a, I'm glad you mentioned Steve Howe because it, it has more of a, a, a kind of a not European, but a, a British sensibility. It's it's folksy, minstrelly almost. Yeah, right? that uh, that like a nylon guitar feel, kind of. Yeah, like, that just finger plucked. And this is the one I should probably go back to just for a moment. To nothing more to say was the first song I tracked on vocals for this project, and um, I did it at a buddy a buddy of mine, Andy Zuckerman's place. And Andy and I've done a lot of work together. Um, he's a musician, but he's he does a lot of uh, production engineering work he actually mixed the waiting for monday record as well but um so i went to his house did the first one and then i went to do this matter of yesterday and uh, this is the one where uh i always say that talking about influences specifically vocally when you you're, you're cutting something you're recording something and then you go back for the playback to listen to it in, in the studio and i want what i want to hear is my heroes and i want to hear a little lou graham i want to hear yeah. you know steve walsh jolene turner kind of thing and I'm like, I'll, I hear Cher <laughs> for some reason. And my buddy, Andy's like, well, you know, I hear some Tina Turner on that one part. I'm like, this is not what I want. <laughs> we ended, so anyway, I left his place that day with a rough mix. I'm driving home, listening to it. And I get, get home. My wife's like, how'd it go? I said, it's not really happy with this one yet. I said that, uh, you know, basically share that same story I just told you. And, um, but I said that it's, it's a real bold vocal piece at the beginning it's so sparse and it's it calls for a dramatic voice and someone who's really comfortable doing that and i wasn't yet <laughs> and uh so i read i said it sounded like someone doing bad broadway it's very that is not a rock vocal i'm like i had to find a way to to try to get it more in line with what i'm, what I'm about and it took me a bit and i'm still not 100 happy with it but it's, it's better than it was and i know God willing, when I get to do it live, I know just what I, how I want to treat it. Nice. Um, that one also, Alessandro was uh, adamant about the length of the guitar solo at the end. So I'm like, uh, brother, this thing goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. I'm just not that guy. And he goes, no, I think we should do like a, a uh, John Sykes crying in the rain thing. We're just, just go for it, man. I'm like, so I try to build it. That's the thing. It's the challenge with the solo is to, you know, there's you got to have something interesting at the top so the little melodic thing to set the the tone and then you can kind of drift a little bit and then bring something special at the end and i'll walk you through it my my uh spot the influence game on this one it starts off like i've mentioned before already both of them i think mick jones slash david mm -hmm. gilmore with kind of a, a bluesier feel and then at one point it kind of drifts a little bit into 
there's a bit of a John Sykes thing. Then there's a little bit of an Eric Johnson thing. There's a little bit of an Ingve thing and then it ends. <laughs> and you know, to give away the secrets too, I shared this with a guitar player buddy of mine last night. I have a clip on my phone. I'm sorry, brother. That's, um, a, that's all right. There's a thing at the very end of the solo. I had like this really wicked long, you know, it was like 30 second notes of, uh, it was Ingve meets Eddie Van Halen. It was like, yes. And I, I played it a few times. I had it. Every time I hit record, I would choke. I did it like eight times. I'm like, you know what? This isn't meant to be. And I just went da, 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 and threw the harmony on it. And it's like, boom, it was so much more impactful. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The song came out great. And a little sidebar on the song. To me, this song is the, at least in my mind, at least, it's the sister song to Shattered Lives for the Waiting for Monday album. Oh, very cool. Very cool. I like that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, next we get uh, I'll Meet You in Heaven, which uh, kind of just a little meta-ness for the listeners out there. We, we've talked about this one before. I love the story on, on this one. Talk about I'll Meet You in Heaven. say with the other, with our dog now kind of interrupting things yeah this song you know it's was originally alessandra had the title and an idea for you know the lyrical content and i thought i don't want it to be another it, it just felt too sappy to me and to about a relationship and you know whether it's you know husband wife or girlfriend father yeah. you know sibling or parent parental relationship but i thought but you have to have some elements that make it universal you know, people can put their own thoughts into it too and not be entirely specific, but to give it away yet, yeah, yes, this song is written about our, uh, our dog we had before Charlie now, uh, her name was Samoa and, and uh, it was a crushing loss when, when she passed. There's a line in there that, you know, about the, uh, I miss the sound of you, the silence is so loud. You know, it's, and I don't know if you ever had a pet that passed, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. You know, that, 
we've come home before from the vet after putting a dog to sleep. You come home and then like the water bowl is still sitting there and like you see, you're like, <gasps> you just get gutted, yeah. you know? But um, she had this wicked snaggle tooth. And so Aww. there's a line in there about your crooked little smile. And anybody who knew me or, you know, our family, they, that was the tip off, but you know, most people would have no idea. And then at the end I say, well, I'll walk with you again. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. A touching little song, especially when you, when you know that, yeah, it's, it came out great. I think it works either way. I think you can get anything you want out of that song. And I love little nuggets like that, you know, where like the snaggletooth smile line where it could be, yeah. you know, could be a dog or it could be, you know, a friend with a, you know, funny, yeah. you know, <laughs> teeth going on. Uh, that one has what that's one of my favorite guitar solos on the record too on that one. Oh nice nice uh, my favorite guitar solo is actually on the next track because you're kind of going head to head with your boss boss there on take my ah. hand I, I love take my hand it's like th that song just jumps out at you the speakers right away I love the story and the song kind of uh that goes on there and then of course like I said Dennis comes in and does this great classic like late 70s sticks crystal ball keyboard solo on there so talk about that one a bit couple of people who have mentioned crystal ball specifically and even people who heard it for the first time and didn't know it was Dennis and they went oh well yeah and when Dennis when he first gave me sent it back to me with his solo he said I hope you like it it sounds like me <laughs> like, well there you go that, that's what I wanted yep. but um this one deserves a little I I had demoed this one a long time ago several years ago including that that uh multi-track guitar intro with all the harmonies again a Brian May kind of thing yeah that I just did that for fun because a lot of times I just like to build guitar tracks and make a you know kind of mini orchestral thing. In fact, I referred to that song all along as the uh, the Charlie Brown Orchestra because <laughs> when I first did it, there's like one note that comes in a little bit early and then one went too long at the end, so it's like and just I don't know why I relate that to Charlie Brown, but I did. <laughs> but um, when I sent the whole thing to Alessandro, and he said, yeah, out of all the, a bunch of song ideas, he says I like that one, and I'm like. With or without the entry? Oh, with. I'm like, okay. It doesn't really make a big statement. So for, as a guitar player, I'm like, 
if I heard someone, oh, they did this thing with like six guitar parts, is it interesting? It's just not, it's just kind of a, you know, it's a little piece, but uh, I like it. I, I like doing harmony guitar parts. But um, the song, I have the whole thing written start to finish with a different guitar solo and no keyboard solo. And I didn't have any lyrics. So Alessandro wrote a set of lyrics for it. And it came down to about three days before I was supposed to sing it. And I just see how Jeff Soda was checking in with me and goes, hey, how's it going with the record? I said, well, I've got a couple left to sing. And I, I got to be honest, with you, I'm having fits with this one because I don't like the lyric content. And it's not Alessandro's fault because I didn't give him any guidelines. And he just came back with something that was a little, it's a lot darker than, than what I'm about. And there was a lyric about, uh, you know, the dark path I walk and the devil knows my name. And I'm like, that's not me, man. And yeah. I can't sing that. And so um, Jeff said, well, send, send me what you got. And I gave him a track that had uh, a melody, but no, no vocal part and um, you know, the whole song structure. And he goes, don't worry, bro, I got you. And 24 hours later, I had full set of lyrics with this great story. And yeah. he said, use what you want, you know, change whatever you want. And I, I tweaked a couple of lines that I'm really happy with. There's the one about uh, a flame isn't burdened by the moth that it attracts. Yep. And uh, uh, strength and conviction are a jury of my peers. There's some, and then it's, it's just a story really about, again, it can be, it's more universal than this, but it was really written. He was going from the perspective of a, of a you know, a father looking down to his, his, over his family. And even some of it relates to just being a musician on the road, but kind of vibe without going too much into faithfully. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're going with this. So then, uh, when I did the guitar solo, this was my little nod to Randy Rhodes. It's, I had a really nice solo on the demo, but I wanted to do something a little bit different for this. And it's the only song where I triple tracked the solo. And uh, that's something Randy was famous for. And it gives it a little bit of a different sound. And in fact, when Alessandro first sent it back to me, I said, I've, you only got, you only have one guitar track and I can hear it. He it says, it's, it's triples. So you have one in the, in the center and two that are split a little bit. So it makes it mm -hmm. wide sounding. And um, he goes, oh, I, I thought those were mistakes. I'm like, no, I did it three times. But uh, he thought I didn't know how to erase the tracks, or something, <laughs> which is a fair thing to, to guess. But anyway, so it was all done. And Alessandro had played a keyboard solo on the demo. But um, and it was great. But I said, you know, I really want to get this one to Dennis. And he's like, yeah. fine, I'd, I'd be honored to have him. You know, I don't mind him replacing me. And, again, you know, it took Dennis a little longer than I had intended. But uh, what he got back to me was amazing. And again, sounds like him. It really does, yeah. And that's interesting that I don't know. You know, we can all interpret a song like a sound of a song a different way. That Alessandro mm -hmm. came back with such dark lyrics because I don't know. To me, it it feels like a celebration of life, even without those lyrics that Jeff wrote. It feels very like uplifting and cool. angelic in a way. So that's that's cool. That, that it kind of like you know switched sides in a way. Yeah, I think you might have mentioned this earlier that. Uh... It, that it sounds a little bit like triumph when they yeah it does it yeah. does yeah fight the good fight yeah when it, when it really back. kicks in <laughs> i think it's pretty similar again you are what you eat as a musician man <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah rick very rick emmett very rick emmett uh the next song i've been excited to talk about to you about this one because this oh. one really like uh it pricked my ears up when i first listened to it just I, i'm curious to know, know what you'll think of this uh because i hear in both in your guitar playing and in your vocals in the guitar, I hear Steve Lukather, and in the vocals, I hear Joseph Williams. It's a very Toto-ish ballad to me. Talk about A Dream of You.
I love that observation. I must tell you that um, I'm not very familiar with Joseph Williams. I know him by name, um, but I I was a huge fan of Toto's earlier stuff, and I just kind of you know, not dissing anything they've done since. Just yeah. I just haven't. I'm not familiar with much of it. But um, Lukather, of course, was a. I didn't. I never mentioned him specifically as an influence, but he's just such a brilliant player, and and that song called for that vibe I think and I, that's yeah. I even I actually did every guitar player or most of the famous guitar players that we all know of there's like a signature lick or two they do and yeah. the very last thing in the solo it's a do 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 it's it's a little thing where you bend and then tap above the note with your pinky he was the first guy I ever heard do that and it's like part of his thing and I'm like I remember telling Jeff the solo was coming and I said check this out here comes he goes that's total Luca there. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, this is one also that it, it was intended to have that kind of more AOR, less heavy guitar. It's it's more of a keyboard bed, and there's guitars in it for sure. It's it's it never gets too light, but um, I was going for kind of that kind of a survivor journey total kind of thing, yeah. And um, this is another one where I'm trying to think for a second. Uh, Oh, this is the thing. You may notice, and since you're a keen listener, you'll catch this. And it'll, yeah. if it didn't hit you, next time you hear it, you go, ah, yeah. Um, the song originally, the chorus was, forgive me, I'm still in love with you. Yeah. And so when Alessandro did the demo vocals, all the chorus harmonies were, forgive me. And then I got the track from it. And I'm like, I didn't. And sometimes, you know, this is a cliche a bit, but some of it falls under lost in translation because he was, I think he wrote the lyrics in Italian and for, it might've sounded nicer in Italian, but for me, it was forgive me, just didn't have any, any real power to it. Right. So that will let me rewrite the lyrics a little differently, a different slant on it. And let's make it, you know, uh, can't help it. Yeah. And so again, he had already done all the backing vocals. So I said, uh, I don't think how this works. So then I gave the track to Jeff and this was actually the first song that he did backing vocals on. And I remember my wife and I were, were driving to Solvang and he said, he goes, I'm about to send you the first one. I hope you like it. What I did with it, you know, and, and listen to it in the car. I'm like, it's a little pop, more pop than some of the record, right? It's probably the most popish song on there. Yeah. So like, this is the first one I'm going to hear with Jeff's vocal. And I'm like, his voice is so big and rich. I'm like, Oh, this is, I love this. But, um, so he's saying all of the uh, can't help it's where then we had to take out Alessandro's forgive me harmonies. Yeah. But at some point, I think Jeff had forgotten. So there's a part just before the solo, <laughs> I think it is. And so he's singing, forgive me, forgive me. It's right before the solo. And so then he, he had gone on, on the road again. And I'm like, Alessandro said, well, yeah, I'll just re-sing that part. And so the whole song is just Jeff and me. And then also you hear Alessandro, who's got a great voice, but it's such a difference from Jeff. You know how you hear this, can't help it, can't help it. Ah. And it's a very different vocal timbre. And so it's like, to me, that sticks out. It's like one of those little things, aha. <laughs> I thought I thought that felt a little different at the end, but I wasn't sure what, like if I could put my finger on it. So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, sure. I did notice that listening to it. Yeah, such a cool, unique little song on the record. I like it a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, next, we move, we kind of move into some rockers to like wrap this thing up. Won't yeah. let your love take me down. 
This is a great song, just great, heavy, you know, in your face rocker. Talk about this one. This is one uh, that a lot of times as a musician, a new piece of gear will inspire you. And like a buddy of mine always says, oh, when you get that new amp, that amp's going to have a song in it, or that guitar is going to, you know, you're going to find something to connect with that. And I had a relatively new piece of gear, the Fractal AX8, which I love. And I was just, first thing I plugged in one day in my room and I cranked every light, got this tone I like, and it's just, it's just a heavy, F sharp is like, for me, I think it's probably a favorite for a lot of rock guitar players, which just F sharp has a vibe and, yeah. uh, or you call it G flat if you like, but I uh, <laughs> uh, just plugged in that one just came, just kind of fell under my fingers. I'm like, this one's got something to it. And I think I just called it F sharp rocker. And this is how I would like get sometimes quick demo idea. It's, it's just boom, pull up the iPhone yep. voice memo. And I sent it to a buddy of mine, a guitar player friend right away. And he goes, cause yeah, you gotta, you gotta flesh that one out, man. That one's killer. And uh, I really like the way it turned out. It, uh, yeah. And this, this is one where it's not a, I didn't really nail it as I'd intended, but the uh, guitar solo is split into two sections. And yeah. I wanted it, at least I changed the tone and the approach a little bit where it sounded, I wanted it to see, sound more like two guitar players, but it's both me. You know? Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Like I love, I love little tricks like that. Like one of my favorite stories, like one of my favorite guitar solos ever is a, it's a really obscure song by the cars called cruiser and Elliot Easton talked about doing this thing where he played three different guitars in the ending guitar solo. And he would just like have them handed off to him. And that's like, like how, how it changes and ebbs and flows. So I love stuff like that. I got to go check that out. He's a great player. Yes. Incredibly underrated. I love, I love his playing. Very, very melodic. Yep. Always, always serve the song. And that's the best thing you can do as a guitar player. He, he was like a new wave. He's, he is, he's like a new wave, a uh, new wave, Carl Perkins in a way, the way he yeah, plays. Yeah. I like that. Yep. Reminds uh, me of that first time, first solo we all heard from, I believe was uh, best friend's girl. Yep. It's it very rockabilly kind of, it's. Yep. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, Rise from the fire to be the perfect song to end the record because it ties to the first track a little bit. It's that there's a hope, there's a hopefulness to it. And uh, you know, like there's, I, th I think there's a line, a line about like something to do with, I wish I'd written it down now. Like, you know, like, you know, people are turned, like things are starting to turn for the better. Like, I love that this song and the hopefulness of it.
um, it, the record really goes out with a bang. Talk about that one. Let me see. Now I got to think of that lyric real quick too. Um, oh goodness! Um, pull, pull it, pull it out yeah, the book. We, we have it right there, don't we? Uh, um, uh, okay, a broken system, but now the table's turning. Table's can you turn. feel? Can you feel it now? Something's burning. Yeah, that was so. That's a cool line. My favorite line in this one is actually the uh, uh, "The king is dead, a prince is crowned." That's um, good too. And this is a fun song. Again, it's it's real straightforward rock. I was actually. This to me is kind of in Toto, Toto's heavier stuff vibe. Yeah. And, um, I did all the vocals originally and I sang all the harmonies myself. But um, when Jeff got a hold of it, you know, he really turned it into something there. And, and Alessandro's in there on the, the real highs on this. That's all, that's him. But um, a great example of Jeff's, it, his help to me on this record. He would help us some, again, didn't have him in the room with me as a vocal producer kind of thing. But originally when I, he, his melodic sense was helpful here. And, and there's the line, ah, uh, uh, I gotta look again. It says, um, create a path for all mankind. I, the way I tried to phrase it was for all mankind. I tried to, I threw, threw it together real fast to make the rhyme work. And he goes, no one says mankind like that. So he create a path for all mankind. And like, see how that flows? I'm like, yeah, that's lots better. Thanks. <laughs> you know? And and I had to re-sing my part on that, but to match his vocal as the guide. But um, I really like that one a lot. And um, there's only one thing that I actually there's two things on this that I that I I surrendered or conceded to uh conversation <laughs> on this. At the end of the uh, end of the guitar solo. There's a, a main guitar solo, which sounds a lot like Neil Sean to me. And then mm -hmm. it, it goes into this a quick little uh, eight, four bars of uh, harmony solo. And I was using a guitar that has a sustainer pickup on it. And what it does is it'll hold the note as long as you want till the nine volt battery dies. <laughs> but you can also set it so that it, as it holds out, it goes up an octave into feedback. Hmm. And so I kicked it on the last note and you just hear it go, Right as the vocals come in, he cut it out, but it had this really cool harmonized squeal. It was so, it was so metal to me. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, no, it does a fit, bro. He goes, if you want to just do something like that, you can do it somewhere else. And like, <laughs> okay. And then at the end of the track, there's just some noodling as it's kind of, you know, that's kind of a standard for this form where you throw in some guitar out into the courses at the end. And so I'm doing something and I, and I did one of the very few sections on this album if can you think if there's another one where i did some two-handed stuff and it's a very simple phrase then i made it more and more complex as it went on and he left it out entirely and i, I said you know um again back to me being a guitar player too i want to hear this thing yeah. and that's like it's a it's only noodling but it's a cool thing as a guitar players will like it and he's like and he puts some of it in I'm like well you left out where it actually gets interesting he goes hey, it's fine bro i'm like <laughs> All right, I don't keep going back and forth on this. It it doesn't make or break the song, right? It's yeah. One of my one of my buddies always tells me that uh, as a guitar player, the trick, especially with recording, is to get your ego out of the way. You know, there's a lot of times, like what I mentioned at the end of that uh, matter of yesterday, where I had this thing. Like, yeah. Look what I can do! And it's like, no, just do this. Da -da 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 -da. And everybody can hum that. You know, it's yeah. More important, serve the song, Elliot Easton. <laughs> yep, indeed, serve the song. Yep, yeah, th this record came out great, and I'm glad we got to talk about it. I got a few more questions I, I wanted sure. to ask you just to 
wrap things up. I thought this would be fun to talk about because I was thinking about, I saw last couple of days, you know, it's it's Tom Schultz's birthday at Boston. And, oh, I didn't see that. and one tour that I wish I could have seen, but I never got the chance to, unfortunately, was you guys went out and opened for Boston on a tour they did some time ago, which I thought I, I thought that was really cool. What, what are your memories from that? I, I imagine that was like a big deal for you because I imagine you being a big Boston fan as well. It was huge for me. I will go back a step and say uh, the very first song I ever learned on guitar was More Than a Feeling. Oh, wow. And this is really one of those cool way things work out. Um, I had the album, you know, as a kid, and that's the first song I learned how to play. And at some point when, you know, I left home and whatnot, and this happens in families a lot, well, one sibling ends up with all of this kind of thing. And my yeah. older brother ended up with like all the, everyone's vinyl. And many, many years later, my younger brother went to visit him and he's looking through his stuff and he goes, hey, I think this was August's album. And, and he was going to be coming down to see me in, in, in L.A. They both live in Alaska. Yeah. And he's like, oh, sure, take it to him. And so my younger brother brought it to me. And I'm like, I couldn't believe. Hang on one quick set. Yeah. <laughs> Had to run all the way over to the East Wing. Kidding. Um, <laughs> there it is. Boom. You know, wow. and, and you probably won't be able to see it on there. I, but, I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Autographed awesome. by Tom Schultz. So it. When that happened, it literally came full circle for me. And um, but now going back to the actual tour, when I heard about it, I was just I was thrilled because, you know, one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah. And I immediately conjured up this thing in my head where we'd get Dennis and Tom to do some wicked keyboard duel at some point. Right. <laughs> oh, really cool. Neither one of them. Get, I mean, Dennis, of course, because he is primarily our should couch that differently tom doesn't get as much credit for his keyboard playing because he's a brilliant guitar player and right. he's so much else for boston but two of them i mean could you see like those guys just like back to back and it would have i think classic yeah. rock fans would have eaten it up and it, it never happened but i'm just imagining doing the the doing foreplay together like the intro yeah. like like just standing back to back god that would be so cool man you got me going now what if if we had done something where at the end of the night, they bring out, they do foreplay, they bring all the guys from our band out to yep. meet me, join on guitars and all these harmonies going. <laughs> oh God, oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun playing with them. Um, that's how I met Tommy DiCarlo, who is a good friend of mine now. And he's just a, an amazing talent. Yep. But I got to stand there. Usually Jimmy be with me. Yeah, we'd, we'd be 15 feet away from Tom Schultz on the side of the stage, just and I was blown away. It's like watching when he, I mean, he literally was a hero and just seeing him perform all this stuff perfectly, you know, and it's the sound is exactly the way you, you remember it. And, oh, it was, it was amazing. I loved playing with those guys. Uh, and then my final question, well, actually, um, uh, no, two more. Uh, my next question is uh, I wanted to ask, you know, Dennis has been off the road now since uh, like the beginning of 2020. I was at that last show. Like I took the last show. Yeah. About. Yeah. Um, is there any plans to go back out this year? Is there still kind of some reticence about hitting the road again? You know, you know, I, I would, I would get that if there was, but I, I'm, you know, I'm always like, eager to see you guys live. So reticence is a perfect word for Dennis. He would like that reticent in his part, but um, I don't know, to be honest, it's uh, it's above my pay grade and yeah. it's, everybody in the band wants to work. His manager's pressuring him to work. You know, our, our agent wants him to work. It's just gotta be, it's, it's his choice, you know? And yeah. as I always say, He's a germaphobe in the best of times, you know, so he's yeah. very seriously. And yeah. While everyone's starting to rally now and it looks like things are really going to be opening up. You know, I, I, I don't know if it, I, I would suspect 
at earliest it'll be late fall for us. Yeah, very much, very much. So. And then my last thing is, uh, this is a, just a tradition on the podcast. I like to end it with on a funny note every time. Uh, so, uh, I call this the mishap story or like the mishap tour story. Like what's a funny story that's happened on tour? Like whether something went awry on stage or there was just something weird on state on stage, you know, that was unplanned, you know, do you have so- something like that you could share? Absolutely. <laughs> it's <laughs> to this day, I mean, it could someday be surpassed, but my most embarrassing moment in my life ever on stage happened in one of the first year with Dennis. <laughs> We were, we were someplace on the East Coast, I think it was Connecticut or Vermont. And my whole family was, my, my wife and kids were there. Uh, we had some local friends that were there. And it was a big outdoor thing. And we used to do an acoustic version of Don't Let It End. Oh, we just I love be, that. Uh, uh, and Jimmy has a beautiful acoustic arrangement for it. He would play acoustic guitar and Dennis would sing. And it's just the two of them on stage. And I would walk out to do like the, you know, the solo in the middle of an electric guitar. Yeah. And we've done it, you know, six, seven times. It's a beautiful part of the show. It comes time for me to come out and do the solo. And let me back up just a hair because the important part here is that the song is played with a capo, I believe on the first fret. And um, so that, that's the important part to know now. So I come out to do the solo and I go, Meh, first note, I'm like, hit that first note. I'm like, it's clearly wrong. And I'm like, Meh. I hit it like three times around. Like, what is happening right now? It's like totally out of body experience. Like, and like, try again. I'll play. I'm like, I must say, I just botched it for a few seconds in a row. And I look, I've got, I'm deer in the headlights probably. And our keyboard players on the side of the stage going, Are you okay? Are you having a stroke? <laughs> I think he was serious. He was like, I was like, No, I just, I walk off stage. I ran off stage. And they just finished everything and never a word was spoken. And then, but I was like, oh my God, what, what in the world? It was like a bad dream of you're like where you're on stage and all of a sudden you walk out in your underwear holding a tuba. You're supposed to play a solo. Like, oh. It was just totally, I just, I couldn't even wrap my brain around it. But we're the next day we're at, uh, we're at some, in the next airport at baggage claim. And we're standing there, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden Dennis goes, hey, what, what was that? You know, <laughs> don't let it in. And as I'm like, and Jimmy's like, I know what it was, because they gave me the they gave me the guitar with the capo on the wrong fret. He said so. I, so what happened was Jimmy just started playing as is. Dennis, because he has a genius ear, automatically adjusted and sang everything a half step higher. And just, but me, I come in. Oh, yeah, I just know my part. <laughs> but it was automatically a half step off from what they were what Jimmy was playing. Oh, and you know, if I would have had, you know, been more in the moment, I probably would have. Hit that once and we're going, oh, it's a half step off. I'll adjust. But it was just inconceivable that there was something different happening. I just play what I play. I'm like, I know this is what's supposed to sound like. And so it, it was very, very humbling, but funny as it turned out that it wasn't actually my fault. And uh, we, you know, we ripped the guitar tech a new one after that. <laughs> and mercifully, it doesn't exist on YouTube. Thank you for doing this. I know it's been a long one and I appreciate it. This is going to be a great episode. The record's great. And uh, I hope we can do this again sometime. I hope I can see you again sometime. It, yeah, it's, I love hanging out with you, Brian. Give me a buzz, we'll, we'll chat. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, uh, oh, and yeah, for I sure. didn't get to plug this, but you know, of course tonight will be week 90 of my uh, acoustic happy hour hang that I do almost every Friday. 
You got to get a chance to tune in and see me uh, butcher some songs acoustically in front of my fireplace. <laughs> I look forward to it. Pleasure Hopefully. chatting with you, my friend. And thanks yeah. for supporting your music and being so uh, into this record of mine. I appreciate all the time you've given me. You're very welcome. My Until dog's going to tear the, the door down. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let uh, you take, take care of that. Later, man. Have Bye. a great weekend. Bye-bye. <laughs> life I can call my own And all the lessons my father gave I now bestow Looking back I've got no regrets I learned to right the wrongs And as I look into my children's eyes I feel I finally know and the memories of the laughter and the pain Given the chance to go back in time I would do it all again Will you remember me With all that's said and done Till then with my family Our hearts will be
Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.